the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. And now it's time for expert analysis from the best in the game. This is Be She's Wrestling with Mike Davidson. I'm a former producer of wrestling, and I had to tell people, here's what I need in a promo, here's what I need in a match, and here's why you have to do it. You tried to be cute, you tried to be clever, and you came off undervaluing the guy the promoter is paying thousands of dollars to get into the ring with you. Special guest star, the Mecca, Shane Madison. Madison. Jealousy is something that the Mecca Shane Madison has had to deal with my entire life. It doesn't matter! Because I guarantee that the Mecca will win. And producer Chris. He's just a money-making machine, that guy. As somebody who's featured regularly on their program, I don't think he's going to be able to take enough time away from his other ventures. The guy is a mogul. And the now, Mecca Shane Madison is gone into the big D. He is training hard for... The rumble to remember, and he decided he didn't want to train the old Winnipeg way, just like back in the 1990s when he was going to start as a professional wrestler. He wanted no part of training in Winnipeg. This time he's gone to Dallas. He's apparently in a ring every day. He plans to win the 50-man rumble to remember. He's on a mission. He has brought on his own ring announcer, Carter Chen. He is redefining what CWE is doing for local business. So that meant this week I had to find somebody to stand in for the special guest star. Not the easiest thing to find because I'm not the easiest guy to work with on a podcast, as producer Chris has told me for over almost two years. And I went to somebody who's as close to like-minded to me as possible. And that's the biggest compliment I'm going to give this guy in the next hour and a half for the episode 78. Darren Metzelar, Steve Stryker is my co-host, and it's good to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing tremendous. How are things out on the peg? It's very good, uh, but people listening don't care about Winnipeg. They they either live here and they know how it's going, or they don't they don't visit here and they don't want to know. So we're not going to small talk. We're going to get right into it, pal. I wanted to start. People don't understand the psychology that goes into starting a wrestling promotion. So everybody's had a pipe dream at some point that's in this business. Oh, if I was running, it would be different. Oh, if I was running, we would, the venues would be better. The, there would be more fans. We would use better talent. We would book better. And before I ever had that working for Bobby J in 2001, there was a guy named Steve Stryker in the CWF Canadian wrestling federation locker room who thought the same thing. He thought the same thing in river city. When river city came up for sale, he was going to buy river city. And when that didn't happen, the dream to start a company called power per wrestling came about. So you and I are kindred spirits in the fact that when we're sitting in a locker room, we are always thinking of what could be better. And that leads, that is the psychology that leads somebody to start a wrestling company. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's motivation. I mean, after all, professional wrestling is a business. So if you're not thinking like a business and looking at it like a business, then you shouldn't be in the business. Yes. So I would imagine in 1997, when it happened for you, you were watching Ernie Todd and thinking, God, he does things wrong. And you were thinking of all the ways you might do things different to be right. And then some of that also included like a lot of times it's you're loyal to a booker, not a promoter, or sometimes you're loyal to the promoter and not a booker right? And you just think you can put it together differently. That's what I found. And I, I always wondered what it was for you. What was it that made you put money up and made you get there and start working at trying to find new venues and trying to make a wrestling company out of nothing? What, what made you do that? Just, just trying to be better. You know, like, uh, you know, Ernie, Ernie came in and, and to be fair to Ernie, and this is probably one of the few nice things I'll say about him, is uh, he was brought into the business as outside money, outside mind. And then when he was brought into the business, um, he wasn't, uh, what's the best word I can, I, he wasn't, you know. He didn't get acclimated well. to the way it should be. Yeah, you know, he ran a trucking company and, you know, he was a, he was a businessman that had money, but he also had a bit of a juvenile mind in that, you know, right away he can be a part of the business and then, and tell people what to do. And he, you know, just, just, just not being good. Yeah, I would. Um, I would draw. Yeah, well. I would draw comparisons like, to that with right now in Winnipeg, 
Primo's wrestling, he's been trying to promote for five years, six years. He'll tell you he's run successfully successfully for all that time. And Graham Keem, I saw a poster today for a show that he has Friday in Brokenhead. And who's front and center on the poster? The promoter. What's the first thing I said a long time ago? If you're going to promote, don't put yourself as the poster boy unless you have the look to back it. And even if you have the look to back it, it just looks like you're promoting yourself at a, ahead of your own company. That's a mistake. Well, in, in Ernie's case too, let's let's put it into perspective. You know, it was about 96, 97, 98 during the Attitude Era. And he was very much about the owner being the boss, being, you know, Todd the Bod. Uh, <laughs> and then he was Iron Man, you know, and he was, you know, just from commentary to managing to getting in the ring, being Mr. Martial Arts and all that other stuff he was trying to do. I mean, it was his company, to be fair, and he he let you know at every chance he got, um, you know, and, and just just I, just it had to be better. And, you know, I was 23 years old at the time and uh, or 20, yeah, 23. And I just wanted to try something new new venues you know it was every still running chalmers you know i wanted to do something different i wanted to look at things better i wanted bigger guarantees i wanted the guys to get better money all the things that a guy who hasn't run a promotion yet uh thinks they can fix right and, now you know for me i felt that uh you know we were we were you know we there was four or five of us originally um you know i hand drew the logo um <laughs> <laughs> we got banners made. We did things different. I rented a ring from Tony Candela, who was very generous with it. Um, we just wanted to do something different. You know, did the Costco run for concessions. Instead of running Chalmers, we ran Elmwood High School across the street. You know, we ran TechVoc High School. Um, we got a pretty good guarantee at a community club in Transcona Park City. Um you know, we we're off to a good start, but uh, the other partners involved, God bless them, and no disrespect. Again, this is 25, <laughs> no, honestly, though, 25, 26 years ago now, um, they couldn't keep up with me. Okay, so and what I wanted and what I wanted to do. So that, yeah. that, that was part of the motivation. So again, like, like a lot of false starts, I'll call it, um, everybody thinks they can do better and they have all the answers. And then when they get into the trenches and realize there's insurance, I had to get insurance. I had to get this. I had to organize that. If, if people aren't rowing the boat to the same rhythm as you, you're going to go off course real quick and ground yourself. So fast forward, let's say it's not 1997. Let's say it's 2023. If you were in that same situation today, how would you do it differently? And this is where listeners today who might be thinking, Hey, I want to start a wrestling company. What would you do knowing that it's a saturated market, but it's a hot market. Independent wrestling is drawing better right now than I've ever seen it. How would you go about starting? Well, there's always opportunities. So for, for me this time around being a lot older now, I would, I would try to find investors and, and before I do <laughs> so have a very good business plan, right? Cause you know, full, full transparency with power pro, there was, uh, four or five of us, and we each invested five hundred dollars each. Yeah, and we thought that was a good startup nut, so to speak, uh, at, at the time. And then, which it, it helped us get through the first shows, and we got you know. But you know, now with with the game raised, you know, with uh, with technology. I mean, technology is a huge game changer with laptops and lighting and LEDs. Back then, you had to go to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Roadshow Sound and Light was pretty much the only game in town back then. And you had to get rigging and you had to get, you know, bright studio lights. Now you can make things look great on pennies versus back then where you had to put out real money to get a real solid gig, uh, you know, uh, to make it look special. Now, um, you know, investors is what's important. Business plan even better. Yeah. So you're on the right, right you're on you're on the right track when you say investor business plan. You also have to yeah. what what a lot of people miss when they think they want to start a wrestling company is they start with this mindset. We're gonna run a show. It has to be profitable because we can't we can't absorb a loss. And as long as we're running every show profitable, we're building a business. And that's interesting logic. But if you open a restaurant, you're in for $200,000, $250,000 before you even get open. 
And then you have to run at a profit monthly to start paying down your debt. Sometimes you're going to run at a loss for the first six months to a year while you establish your reputation. And then that's when you're going to start making money. You're going to go into your line of credit even further for that first six months to be able to pay for marketing, to be able to generate your, your market. See, nobody starts a wrestling company saying, hey, the last guy who did this was Jeff Dick, by the way. Nobody starts going, hey, we could be into this a couple of hundred thousand dollars, but if by year two and year three, we hit these, we hit these um, targets, we will be in very, very good shape. And I think that's a problem. Nobody looks at loss. Capital. What's that? Capital, capital is what's most important. Yeah. You got to be able to, to float the vision and, and see uh, the Kaizen in it all, if you will, a continuous improvement because, you know, you're going to get your adversity, you're going to get, you know, your politics and, and, and who knows what X factors are going to come into play. But that's, that's all part of a good business plan is, you know, everybody always goes into uh, something um, with uh, delusions of grandeur more than not. Mm-hmm. And when somebody starts telling them realities, they get offended or they get defensive or they start blocking you or unfriending <laughs> you or they don't want anything to do with you. Um, but you're just telling them the realities of the world. Of course, everybody goes into something saying, oh, yeah, man, if we run here and we have these guys and we charge these tickets and we sell out, man, we're going to make a ton of money. Okay, but what's the long game? Everybody thinks micro. Yeah, Not exactly. Macro. Everybody starts with rose-colored glasses. First thing, though, you oh, would, yeah. if you were going to start right now, and, let, and we're going to use Winnipeg as a case study, if you were going to start right now, you're right. It would take a business plan. It would take capital. Then you have to identify your venue, right? Everybody, every the best thing you can do, if you're going to lose money to run a wrestling company, lose money in a venue that people respect, because if you're, I've already believed that. I would rather lose five hundred to seven hundred to a thousand dollars on a night in a venue where people were like, "Hey, that was a cool venue." Then make money because you got a venue for free and were able to sell concessions. You losing but gaining in credibility is better than winning three hundred dollars and everybody thought, "Oh, it's low end local wrestling," and people will make that mistake. After that, yeah. what you need to do is you need to start identifying talent that allows your create the vision for what your product is going to look like. You you need the talent that's going to well, that's blend into clear. that. You don't just open a restaurant. Uh, you know, every time somebody does open up a restaurant, they don't have fifty. They shouldn't have five thousand things on a menu. What's your cuisine? <laughs> yeah, if you, you, know if you have too much on a menu, the, the the kitchen's going. Oh my word! We have no idea you know, what to the, predict tonight, right? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay's coming in to just give you hell, right? Yeah. You know, because it's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you what do you, what is your product? Because at the end of the day, as I say, um, it is a business. So, so what is your product? And you can you can cite many different promotions, and they're all distinguished distinguishably, God, my English is brutal today. <laughs> Different. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and there's some that just, Hey, we're going to set up a ring and run. Here's a curtain. <laughs> you know, that was a big deal in 97, by the way, having a ring entrance because everybody, you know, Chalmers, you just open a door. Yeah. You came you through know, a gymnasium door. And <laughs> when you got a ring entrance, it was holy crap. Cause that was one of the things when we merged with Ernie is he got the ring entrance from power pro. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, look at this. Yeah. Was that, was that black fiberglass pipe and, and blue curtain? No, it was hard metal from a store closing from Portage place. Oh, Vance Nevada found uh, it while he was working. Yeah. You could say that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Found slash stole. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say Steve's, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Okay. So there we go. We've got, we've got, We've got a good basis for what it takes. It takes business plan. It takes, you have to have, you have to have the guts to be able to go into this knowing, Hey, if we lose for the next six months, it isn't the end of the world. Too many times people self-finance. They can't possibly fathom losing because it's their own money. They have no vision. They haven't predicted the loss. They they think, Oh, I bought a ring and everything from there is going to be gravy. Then they go. What if the ring breaks? Nobody thinks about those things, right? Yeah. What if the ring truck blows all four tires on the way to the show? That's, you know how much it is to get a set of four tires for a truck? Goodness yeah. gracious, you're looking at 
1500 to $2,000. I think Danny Duggan has experienced that when he's traveling across the country. Um, he had blown transmission. But I, I, I used this conversation to sort of qualify what people, like what, where you're at. That so many people have sat in a locker room. They've always said, oh, if I start, if I was running this, it would be run differently. But they don't have the vision. You have the right vision. It starts with, with a vision and a plan. Okay. So let's talk what's happening in independent wrestling in Canada right now. I look around and I see in Winnipeg, some of the healthiest houses I've ever seen. Uh, WPW just drew a thousand. Uh, CWE is going to draw a second sellout in a row with uh, Rumble to Remember. They're probably wishing that they had about 200 extra seats. Um, Primos is doing very well, but in a smaller venue. And well, hold on, why would why would CWE wish they had 200 more seats? Why don't they just get a bigger venue? Because I think they've already committed to the venue they're in. Okay. And it's late, kind of their fault. very late in the game to be able to move it. And I think when, Not fair. when business is getting hot, it's a lot easier to recognize it after than try to predict it before. Um, and then when you look west, you see Top Talent's doing very well. Love Wrestling's doing very well. Dungeon does well when they run. Can-Am's doing better. You're in BC and I see all-star wrestling is filling venues in different towns and different venues. How, how is that happening on the West coast? Cause I have, I have theories as to what's happening in central Canada. Well, here on the West coast, let's understand that the lower mainland British Columbia has more people than Manitoba and Saskatchewan combined. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely people, uh, of different races and different cultures. And, and, and it's, it's, wrestling as a whole, remember all-star wrestling. I mean, the championship belt goes back to the 1940s. Like this, this, this company has been around in some way, shape or form for damn near 90 years. Yeah, I know. I lost my title match in 1957, actually. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me too. I went to a Broadway and then left the territory. Yeah. Kaniski refused to put me over. Yeah. Yeah. I had an issue. Lot of things, but that's um, but the, the they've been around a long time. It's kind of like every territory has their go to Ontario, you hear is Maple Leaf Wrestling, Quebec, you hear about international and the Rougeos, you know, Winnipeg, you hear Candelo, uh, Calgary, you hear Stampede, Alberta, you hear Stampede, and in Vancouver and, and British Columbia, you hear All Star, yeah, because they were the ones that were the predominant territory back in the day. And, and, and that's still around now there's, there's something to be said for that branding, but you know, there's, when it comes to professional wrestling, it's, it's, I, I can't think of off the top of my head anyway, any territory or any city or any town right now that that's actually doing crap. I mean, there's promoters that are still drawing schlock, yeah. but there isn't a, there isn't a city or a state that I can think of off the top of my head that actively has professional wrestling that isn't doing well right now well and, so, and another one that's doing well is pure power in lethbridge but in saskatchewan yeah. the market is still a little they ran bit... Center. yeah like let's 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 put lethbridge on the map for a second they've run a couple of shows now in the nmax center and that's home to the lethbridge hurricanes that's the big building yeah, and i've they always put been a fan of running shows in the big building put 600 people in there and some people say well that made it look empty but the reality is the credibility of having the cojones to run a venue like that says something but that's it and that's it. Now, if you're, and then that's a business plan. If you're prepared to do that, fans can say, well, it kind of looked empty in there. You know, some fans want the intimate atmosphere. And let's take a perfect example, WPW. They run the BERT and yeah. now they're going right back to the cultural center. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're also, that. they're also up until the BERT, which I don't think was a sellout. They had been on 11 straight sellouts or something. Right. So now they, yeah, they went to the bigger venue. They sold over a thousand, which was a key for optics. They probably could have done 400 more if they wanted to open the third level. So now they lose the sellout streak. They're going back home, their home venue, wow. sell it out. And then, and, and trust me, those boys have a plan. I, they're, they're pretty shrewd. Yeah. And, and, and I love that. Now let's, let's put, you know, let's, let's put that sellout streak thing to sleep here. When you're drawing over a thousand, that's four sellouts of the other guys bragging sellout. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't prescribe to that. I would, mu- uh, I would or, much rather yeah, I, my English again, as somebody who <laughs> ran the investors group athletic center where the capacity was 3,600, 
I would much rather say, hey, I drew a thousand, I drew four figures, than ever say sell it. I never ever, I don't, well, actually, no, in the studio at, at One World Studios, we did sell that out twice. But I, what was the number of investors? Wasn't it like 1,200 or something? The best number was Eddie Guerrero, and I think it was 17, well, disputed, but 1,750, but it was over 15 for sure. But I think the number yeah. in, the, in PCW's history, they'll say it was 17 something. I, 1560 yeah. was the initial number of the day after is what we were saying, but somehow the number. But there isn't too many independents in Canada that have done that in the last 22 years. Uh, no, it's rare. And it, you, it takes again, vision, tenacity. You got to go for it. Right. And I think right now, if I was, I'll tell you, I, I recently just bought a custom championship belt for some reason. If I was going to buy <laughs> a custom built 18 foot ring this is the type of landscape that I would say, okay, I'm ready to roll the dice and I would probably sell finance and expect to take a loss because now that I understand the income tax, that if you invest in, in a business and lose a little bit of money, you get a little bit of money back at tax time. I would probably have more of an appetite to do that. Right. So see, and, and there's another point you make right there, you know, having a business plan and running a company and taking chances, people forget about the tax aspects. I think it's a lot a of wrestling promoters conveniently forget that there's such a thing as income tax. <laughs> you know, and that's a, and that's a that's a dangerous, dangerous thing for well, many, many promotions. I know, I know when I ran, I certainly, you know, I was like, hey, it was cash only. You know, like, well, and and that's know, the like, thing; it's such a cash business. It's very, now. it's very easy to say, oh, well, we only drew exactly what we sold online for tickets. We did not take any cash at the door. We're a cashless business. And in reality, mm-hmm. you're taking cash at the door. But that's that, even that would be more honest than some promoters. There's a lot of promoters that think for some reason, professional wrestling is exempt from the Canadian business laws, right? They think, oh, well, what, what, you mean you have to charge GST well. for a ticket? No, goods and services tax doesn't apply, right? Meanwhile, no. whenever I buy a Ticketmaster ticket, I notice there's a GST line there. I should watch what I say because producer Chris is sitting there wondering, oh, am I going to have to edit a bunch? This has been fascinating, fascinating because you well, give me... I never said anybody. I'm just saying it's a general bad habit with, with all wrestling promotions across the board over the years that I've seen. But now with computers and, 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 and just everybody's got a... Sp- Everybody's got a supercomputer in their hand now. Yeah. Um, just everybody, it's just when, when guys go across. You know, I, would ha- I would have to assume 95% of promoters file their taxes and 5% maybe, maybe don't. I don't know. I would think it's a vast every majority. Business, every business cuts corners. Let's not, let's not cast a, a dark cloud over the wrestling business specifically. When every I was, business cuts their corners. You want to know what's amusing to me? Sorry to digress. The one company, the one company that had somebody held liable for tax related issues was WFX and our owner, Jeff Dick, and he was filing (laughs) and then they don't even go after the ones that don't (laughs) file. Like what is happening here? Right. Is is that not weird? Yeah. They look for the low hanging fruit, not the effort. Well, no, in his case, it was, they had identified and I'll talk about this later in another episode. But they had identified sure. tax irregularities, and he and the investment strategy was an issue. But anyway, <laughs> so this is not paying taxes an irregularity. He, he, <laughs> Very irregular. He was paying his taxes. That with WFX, he paid his taxes anyway. And I know he was for yeah. his other businesses too, because I was on payroll. I saw the mandatory deductions. But there's, there's so much going on. But yeah, as far as the sellouts and everything, your digression was fantastic. <laughs> um, the, you know. Like you're saying with venue, like, you know, running the investors group center or running, running the BERT, you know, I remember when Candela ran TV at the BERT years and years and years ago, WPW absolutely squashed that number. Yeah. What did he draw? What did he draw in 90? Yeah. Yeah. I think there was 700 there. 700 for that. So he would have filled the bottom completely for that. Probably pretty close. Yeah. the, The second level really didn't have anybody. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, and that was Ultimo Dragon. That was, but, but, but again, Tony, Tony did things differently. Yeah. Right? Was so, Martel on that Walker? Yeah. Or at the birth then? It was um, the Walker um, I, not a hundred percent sure. I know Ultimo Dragon was, um, I don't recall. Storm and Martel Jericho both were. But Lenny was there. Bad news. Yeah. Luther was there and, and Gillespie was a sidekick. Titan was there. 
Yeah, Rick Titan, Adam Copeland, uh, or sorry, uh, Adam Impact. He was at both of them. He was at both of them. Yeah. Him and Joe Ace wrestled on on one of the episodes. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, no kidding. And again, that was... So, a long time ago. So I think we've done a good job at figuring out some of the success, the recipe right now of what's making things work, right? Um, yeah. And, I think, and again, too, as far as the equation goes on the whole, I believe it's good to have a non-wrestling person in the equation, right? That's very important to have an astute non-wrestling business person in the equation who has an outside perspective of the outside world. Because again, people in the business might <laughs> see things differently yeah. and might do things differently and might think things differently. It's good to have. Except if you have you have you watched wrestlers on Netflix? I did. The outside I, guy was Netflix, a problem. No, one of the outside guys was a problem. Yeah. The other one was right, pretty that, much silent. You don't see him at all in the like, series. He acted a lot like Ernie, right? You know, I minus the seizures. Yeah, I didn't think he was that bad, but I think he was rubbing people. The, they definitely made him out to be the heel, which, of course, well, you can tell the wrestling carny side is, hey, we know the business and the outside guy is just the money mark. That's exactly how they presented that story. Well, part of it, part of it is, too, is that he came in acting like one of the boys. He was worse and, than that. He was worse than that. Yeah, no, 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 he no, acted no, like I, the I boys were beneath him. And that's when, when a money mark, and I'm, I hate to say that, when an angel investor comes in and acts because I am the boss and you are beneath me, you are the thing I'm investing in, you are not on my level, that never, ever works, let me tell you. Yeah. And that's yeah, what and Ernie that's Todd was guilty you, of. And even if you know what you're talking about, people get offended because yeah. they don't want to hear it. Yes, you know? exactly. So I mean, we've all been down that road too. You know, it's like everybody knows better. So you just, you know, now, you know, if I was to start writing today and, and everything, I'm, I'm extremely different. I'm, yeah. I'm composed. I, 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 I see people, you know, I'm going to use modern terminology. I see people. I hear people. It's, <laughs> it's a little different than, than, you know, pull the trigger jackass. I'm, nope. I'm beyond that now. I think, your passion, I think your passionate responses were always good. Before we go to break, the last thing I will say you're on to something in terms of getting the investor, but the key is it has to be an investor who isn't giddy to be hands-on. He's got to see it as the investment end, the business end, but he does not want to be in the locker room involved because that's where it gets a little hairy. But, yeah, but we yeah, have a lot, to, when we come back from break, I want to talk about how Triple H has ascended to the top dog in WWE and where that leaves Vince McMahon. We have to talk about the NWA and CW. There's a lot going on in the world of wrestling. This episode of Be She's Wrestling is powered by First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store, where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Bees She's Wrestling listener, you can get a discount on your purchase using the code Bees She's. That code is B E E Z S H E E Z. One word to get 10% off. Visit the store online, firstrow.ca, or instead of click and order, go brick and mortar. Meet the guys at First Row in person, 1835 Main Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store. The wrestling world got turned upside down when WWE got sold to TKO or Endeavor and then TKO. And it's weird. Originally, you heard Vince McMahon will be the source of power in the world wrestling entertainment. That he's going to have final say in creative. That he is the chairman. And then a few short months later, and a failed television negotiation rights deal on SmackDown. And now it's the way it should be. Triple H solely in charge of creative. Vince McMahon, clearly, they say his stock has fallen. Not his stock value, but his his value in the perception of the people who call the shots. It is different today than it was three months ago. And you know what? As, a, as somebody who's watched this and, and many ways through, argued with the Mecca Shane Madison a lot about where Vince McMahon fit in and how this was playing out, Let me say, 
this couldn't happen to a nicer guy than Vince McMahon because he could have kept the company, let Triple H and Stephanie and Nick Khan run the company, went off into retirement and been happily ever after. But he thought if he sold it to a company and he should have sold it, if he wanted it this way, he should have sold it to the Saudis, but he sold to Endeavor and TKO and merged with UFC. And now it sounds like he might have little or no power in the, in the company. And I got to imagine that's not sitting well with Mr. McMahon. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're familiar at all with Ari Emanuel and Endeavor Morris, William Morris Agency and, and some of his business dealings. I almost was repped by William Morris Agency, it, but go ahead. It's not, we got to talk about that after. <laughs> it's not surprising given his track record of ruthless, he's a more ruthless businessman than Vince McMahon. And now Vince McMahon is sort of getting a little bit of the treatment that he gave others when he took over the company from, from his father. Not really. But uh, one thing uh, Stryker will be able to say, you're, you're not coming in clear, but um, one, thing, one thing I will say about what Vince right now is experiencing is that that micromanagement, I have a feeling the way Triple H sold this to Endeavor was, hey, imagine you own a pro sports team. Jerry Jones ran the Dallas Cowboys and he always interfered with the football operations end of it. And same Al with Davis. Al Davis with the Raiders, right? And I think that Triple H probably said, if you want the Bill Belichick success of the New England Patriots with your WWE brand, you got to let your booker be your general manager and do what's right with talent and do what's right with creative. And I'm the best guy suited. And if you need to talk to some talent, they'll tell you that. But let's get moving here. And I think that's what ended up happening with the guy you said, Ari Emanuel. Is that yeah. his name? Would you agree with that, Stryker? No. <laughs> not at all. Okay, let's let's not debate it. What what do you think happened that led no, to Vince losing no creative debate. power? What's that? Vince, Vince was Vince was out, and then he came back in. They closed the deal. It was to make investors uh, rest easy, knowing that the Godfather was there. And then TKO, being the company or being the company that it is now, and the UFC and Ari Emanuel and company. Um, once they took over, Vince transitioned out. It, it really is that simple. He wasn't forced out of anything. He so you think he? There. So you think he was in on it? That he was no. in? Absolutely. You are insane. No, you are the insane. No. There is no, no way Vince McMahon came back to be the architect of this of this merger and yeah. went and the out. CM Punk thing will work. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is good. This yeah. is good. Yeah. But there's no way Vince McMahon was going to be front and center, get them nope. through the merger and then hand it off. There would have been a, a more seamless handoff to Triple H. I think they would have announced it at the time they took the company over. At that point, stock, no, and stock price didn't matter. What? No, Vince had to be there to transition. Period. He didn't have to be. Yeah. No, he was he disgraced when he retired in Ju July or August of 2022. He did not have to come back, re-enter the company for the sake of transition. If anything, I, I think he might have caused, caused hostility for the, for the stock price. And he, he created instability. He didn't create stability. Not uh, not only that, but Ari Emanuel went on record blaming Vince for the stock market. The for the stock, TV deal. For the, well, for the stock dipping as well. The stock dipping is strictly because but he blamed you took it. your Friday night brand off of network TV Fox and took it to USA, which is cable, which is a major yep. step down. And you can't sell that, that as anything else unless yeah, I agree. Monday Night Raw goes to network. But he, he directly blamed Vince like in the media. He said it's Vince McMahon's fault that our stock has gone down because of all of his philandering or whatever he said. Something along those lines. So that, basically yeah. the scandal. Yeah, the scandal. Okay, so if well, it's scandal. Like yeah, because that's the only you know, that's the only company that's ever gone through scandal. Yeah, but <laughs> at, the, at that high a level oh and it be, hold it. That high a level, and it keeps circulating. Every time you think it's done, there's something a little bit more, and I don't think it's all come out yet, maybe. But I also believe that there's a family feud amongst the McMahons. I believe Stephanie, That's what I believe. Stephanie and H yeah. wanted control. They thought they had it in the summer of 2022. They, they might have even helped the stories about Vince come out. I've heard that conspiracy theory. But then again, CM Punk is all at work, so what kind of credibility do I have, right, Stryker? Exactly. <laughs> You're so off base, big man. <laughs> I don't. I think he was there. 
to to be a face, to get the picture at the stock exchange, to shake hands as the merger's completed, taking it to the finish line. Yeah, with and that, and he was getting. And now that he's, he, you know, listen. You ever you ever seen on 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 soap operas and scripts where they keep somebody around, and and both parties know the guy is toast and he can see the writing on the wall, but he's there just to be a figurehead. Nobody and watches more soap operas than me. They don't do that. <laughs> Victor Newman doesn't. Victor, watch a Spanish soap opera. Pal. Oh, Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Victor Newman doesn't stick around just just to because he's toast. He's still a big star, believe it or not. I, I think you're. Right, par- right, I, right, I think right, he's right, partially right. I think Stryker, you might be yeah. partially right. I think that maybe That's that was I'm the saying. case that he was kept around to be the That's face, but I don't think he was aware of it. That's so it. if he was the face, don't you think I, they were? I think when you're at that level and you're at that age, and we're talking billions of dollars, I mean, people think, okay, the owner of the Winnipeg Jets, David Thompson, his family's worth fifty-three billion dollars, right? Vince McMahon was worth a couple of billion. Let's put this at the time. I don't right? think he was worth a couple of billion. I well, think he became a multi-billionaire only after the sale. Exactly. So, you know, even when, when WWE, WWF went public, you know, he, he was bragging about that, right? Yeah. He never, he, he took, he took professional wrestling and the entertainment business as far as that genre goes, as far as it possibly could. A million dollars he turned into, to a $9 billion merger. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Okay. Right? So, so- who cares? Last thing we're going to say about Vince McMahon is if he was there to be the face of the company, shave the mustache. You look like a dink. All right. It's very Walt Disney, isn't it? Yeah, he looks ridiculous. Moving on. The business got shaken up again this week when the NWA and Billy Corgan announced that they've got TV. It's going to the CW. That network is almost as big as TBS and TNT. This should be huge. But what haven't they said, Chris? Well, we don't know when it's going to be on. How about you, you? There you go. Time slot? Is this a Saturday morning time slot? Is this a late Saturday night time slot? Yeah, like, is it weekday night prime time? Well, Corgan says it's going to be prime. But what's that? CW. CW's got so many affiliate channels, I think it end up on at 3 in the morning. Well, that's you the just thing. You don't know until you know, right? How many independent promoters have said, hey, we've got the local NBC affiliate. Ohio Valley used to say that about whatever their affiliate was. And it's not the right, it, it's it's posturing. When we were on uh, America One, I used to love to say we were available in 50 million homes. And we're on in prime time in Los Angeles and New York. Those were facts. Those were facts. But we didn't have the penetration with that network that we needed. Now, CW does change the landscape for NWA, which had been largely focused on YouTube for their for their distribution, and that was never going to work forever. Theoretically, they now are on par or better than Impact. Potentially, if they get a Wednesday night time slot, they could be competing with, with AEW. But how does NWA with that roster compete on a national level? They have a good enough roster. No, they don't. Uh, the, the, it, do you know what the roster is now? EC3 is their champion. Oh, he looks, wow. <laughs> oh, he looks like a million Holy bucks. Crap. Yeah, but EC, EC3 would be at best a, a supporting guy on Friday Night Rampage. But Billy Corgan's got an eye for talent. Look who's who he had in the NWA before. He was so in when NWA. he put Brodus Clay over he for the title? Hold on. Hold on. I'm not talking about Brodus Clay. I'm talking about the hottest guy in wrestling right now, LA Knight, who was on NWA he, power he, yeah, for okay, a year it. and a half. Eli, great. Eli, so left, oh. you go, Striker. No, I can't. Uh, okay, so he, okay, let's look at the talent he used. He used a lot of guys on a per-night basis, right? His his eye for talent has been, uh, I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it up against DeMores. No, no impact. Me, neither would I. Neither would I. But Scott DeMores, DeMores like, so- I wouldn't put Scott DeMores against hardly anybody. Well, DeMore is superior to Tony Khan. Go ahead, Stryker. Here's a Billy Corgan story for you, okay? It's Kurgan, actually. He was in the the interrogator. Billy Kurgan, the interrogator. Okay, funny guy. (laughs) Um, Billy Corgan was at the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion in 2011 is when I first met him in person. It was cool. Yeah. Um, And he was he was he didn't own anything yet, but everybody knew his love. I think he was hanging around the Windy City shows in Chicago at the time and just kind of buzzing around and, and, and everybody knew he loved wrestling and somebody brought him to Vegas for, for the reunion show. And, and you know, I, I he sat at the table with us 
and he was just chatting. Okay. Like very, just, just about the business and how he loved the business. And he talked about the AWA and he talked about, you know, his, just his love and passion for the business. And that's, so, so and- let's not, let's not look at, um, he has an eye for talent because I don't believe he does. He's a musician, um, first and foremost, and he's a super fan of wrestling. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't have his likes and dislikes because really when you think about the landscape of wrestling with AEW, AEW buying ring of honor and, and then NWA being NWA and impact being impact, you know, when does all this fantastic eye for talent, awesome talent, it's so watered down that you don't have a national product. This is again, a whole thing we're talking about. People talk about it in professional leagues all the time. Well, they're expanding again. What's going to happen to the, to the players? So, What's going to happen to the talent pool? Like so, and then when so, somebody gets good, who's going to get poached? It's so, crazy. So your point is that you think talent is diluted, right? It's getting there. Yes, yeah. There's going to always be those standouts. But those standouts are going to get plucked. Okay, so here's what I would do if I'm Billy Corgan, and I, I would. Here's what I suspect has happened. Okay, bear with me for a second. I believe that CW and Billy Corgan, it's not big money going to the NWA for this. I have a feeling that they did a deal where, hey, give us the time slot. We, uh, I don't, I doubt that CW is even responsible for the production costs. I have a feeling that NWA badly needed to get a deal on a TV network with respectability. Well, hold on. Let me just hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here's what I think they needed. They need to do going into this. They're going to need a marketable marquee talent. If Billy Corgan hasn't sat down with CM Punk and said, we will make the, the NWA, the NWA on CW, your show, you will be the biggest star. We will work with you even in the things that irritate you. We will have a lot of rope and leeway for you. You need to be the big star on our show. If he hasn't had that conversation, if he hasn't made that reach out, he's made a big mistake. What do you think? And there's the Chicago tie-in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There is definitely a Chicago tie-in. So I would say for for NWA to have any traction, because if they go, and Chris, I'm sorry to disagree with you with EC3, if they go to bat on a national TV deal with EC3 and Trevor Murdoch and and um, the the females they've got and Kerry Morton, I don't think that, I don't think they've got the roster power for it. Just like if Impact goes and I the speculation is in the new year they're going to be going to a new network. If they go to a new network with Josh Alexander as their top guy and they don't have more star power behind it. Here's where someone like um Marissa Monet or whatever, uh Mercedes Mercedes Monet, Monet she com- yeah. she becomes a big one. Matt Cardona definitely can up his stock by being a freelancer willing to do two out of the three shows. Right, you're gonna need that kind of star power because TV numbers well, matter, as we've seen. Go ahead, Striker. Now, now, getting back to the NWA for a second, has CM Punk ever held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship? You know he hasn't, <laughs> right? I could almost recite almost every champion dating back to Mike Rapata, the Colorado Kid. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Christmas! Look at that. Um, so. Would that not be something that's possibly appealing and could put a company on the map in a blink if CM Punk was their world heavyweight champion on a championship that goes back 100 years? Yeah, the drawback to that, though, is who can CM Punk work with without it going bad, right? But it's no different. You know, again, talking about franchises and talking about players. Uh, you know, you get a Connor McDavid, you get a Sidney Crosby, you get uh, a Tom Brady. People are going to want to come and play. Oh, Phil's there? Awesome. Let's go. They know they can do business. They know he has insights. They know he has inroads. And they know he has he has connections. And also they know he has money. And it's not so completely out not- of the question either, because there's there has been talk about CM Punk in Impact Wrestling recently, where they're saying when he came to visit, he was a perfect gentleman. They loved him backstage. Josh Alexander went on the record saying, I would love to have him here. I would love to work with him. So it's not un- unheard of for an NWA or an Impact to, to land somebody like CM Punk. No, and I and agree. to your point, Stryker, uh, you bring in a CM Punk, and to your point, Mike, you attract more talent. You attract more top-tier talent that might want to work with him. More importantly, I think you might turn talent off with CM Punk, but the reality is of what you... Hold on, on, hold on, hold on. Let me make my point, then you can make your point. 
if yeah. if you're going to build around CM Punk, it's going to bring eyeballs, which is more valuable than talent. In all honesty, but mm-hmm. here's what here's what we have to consider right now. WWE hotter than heck just announced that they're expanding the seating for Chicago for Survivor Series. This brand has never been this hot at Survivor Series. Can you imagine how hot it will be at Mania? I still see it happening. Second is definitely distant second now is All Elite. Third still is Impact. Yeah. NWA, when they debut on CW, will either move to the third slot or be fourth. And then there's Major League Wrestling that needs a shot in the arm. Maybe the shot in the arm for the for Major League Wrestling is that Von Erich movie might make Marshall and and uh, his brother the the Kevin's kids the Von Erich brothers yeah they might get hot Major League Wrestling is going to badly need a shot in the arm if you ask me they might get absorbed you know what that's a, I thought about that well the thing is with Court Bauer there he is probably second to Scott Demore in terms of the bookers after WWE because I think Tony Khan is the worst booker on a national scale. So then you go, Demore is the best booker. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's true. Court Bauer is probably I'm the second. I'm, 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 I'm agreeing. Yeah. Demore. <laughs> it, out of all the national bookers outside of WWE, it's Demore, then it's Court Bauer. Then third would be Tony Khan and then Billy Corgan, whoever is booking for the NWA. That's what I would say. But, but where's Ring of Honor in this? Are you including them with AEW? It's AEW Light. It's the same brand. They, their talent is all over the freaking place. You can't call Ring and of Honor. Ring of Honor is not its own brand until it's on TV and until they're not heavily influenced by AEW programming no, but, and vice but, but versa. think what happens now. Think, think what happens now. NXT needs its own channel and a place to run wrestling. And then Ring of Honor needs TV. They don't have yet. NWA now has TV. Impact has TV. Everybody's getting TV, right? <laughs> it's it's just it's just everybody's excited about everybody getting TV. But I and I actually went on the platform formerly known as Twitter earlier today. It's still Twitter. Do not call it anything else. You're going to offend me I, if you do. I I passively called it Twitter still. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I put up the X sign. You'll be injured soon if yeah. you keep it up. Dismissively, now, dismissively call it Twitter because that's all that matters. Go ahead. Okay, tweet, tweet this morning about how I laugh at the numbers when they put out ratings when they're talking about oh this week this guy did nine hundred thousand, this guy did six hundred thousand, this guy did seven hundred thousand. But that's it, how you measure it. I know, but the consumption of the business now. Is is a joke. That's an excuse. That is not an no, actual. It's a, it's a true reason. Yeah. People don't consume it, consume it on TV anymore. People are streaming. People are people are watching their programs on on different ways now. They're not tuning into a regular okay. television set. When, okay. in, in a time where there were five, six, seven million people watching Raw or Nitro every week, or three million or five million, now we're we're excited. Oh, they hit a million this week. Well, holy, let's let's start a freaking parade. The actual the actual gauge that matters is asses in the seats because that's the people that's the people who make the commitment with their dollars and their time. It's even different than pay per view. The house shows tell the story Uh, and TV numbers. Um, But anyway, to wrap, to wrap this, I will tell you what is going to become a problem in the business. When you have seven nights a week of wrestling, WWE is going to survive that kind of competition. Those ones that are like, Hey, we're on TV. We're in the game. There's too much, too much TV wrestling. It's, it's creating, Mm -hmm. it's creating oversaturization. And that's a huge problem. Because nothing is standing out. It's like, why does the Alliance of American Football and then the XFL and USFL not be able to gain traction? Because at the end of Super Bowl, people don't want to watch football. They've had their fill. They need the season off. Now you've got seven nights a week of wrestling, and it's hard to get following it. And you still have New Japan on access. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Sorry, Mike, I know you want to go to break, but I just kind of had a thought while you were talking. What about the idea of MLW as an NWA affiliate? No, no. See, NWA with their affiliates, and Ohio Valley falls into that with Major League, does MLW want to look like the weak little sister? Just like Ring of Honor is the weak little sister of All all Elite. It did nothing for the Ring of Honor brand. Tony Mm -hmm. owned it, and he didn't know what to do with it when he bought it. MLW is killing themselves if they align with NWA. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't work because you're admitting you're weaker than. You don't want to do that. Realistically, for MLW right now, 
what they need to do is they need to find the cool factor with what, like they, they got to continue to be the, the place where MJF is before he's on TV and where Jacob Fatu and, and Alex Hammerstone are, they got to find, and the Von Erics, they got to keep finding that pipeline of talent and it's there. Mentalo sitting in Winnipeg. He could be on any one of those brands and be productive. You got to find those guys. There's guys in Calgary. There's, you know, guys in Vancouver, Darius Stryker. So there is an abundance of talent. You got to get them and you got to feature them. That's what's going to have to happen. It's going to be who can find the talent and do the most with the talent they find that's going to stand out in this very saturated wrestling TV market. But with that, with that, sorry, I got the last word. We are going to go to the mailbag. Welcome. You've got mail. Two questions in the mailbag this week. You can get yours on by going to our email, totalbeeshees at gmail.com, and all of our social medias. We've got uh, Instagram, we've got X, and we've got Facebook. But let me tell you, the way I want to hear your question, I don't want to see it. I don't want to have to read it. I want to hear your voice. Ask the question. We'll play it on the show like we did last week with Chance Donovan. Donovan. And if you send your question... We will play it in its entirety, but today we're going to have to read two questions. Let's hear them. I am a fan of the audio questions. All right. First question coming in from Nicholas Barrett, who did send it in via uh, our Gmail. Good day, gentlemen, he says in quotation marks. After listening to last week's episode, I was exhilarated by your conversation on officiating. Not as exhilarated as as I am after a Big Mary, but I digress. (laughs) Shout out to an old sponsor. Yeah, shout out to an old sponsor. Uh, My question is, do referees have any say into if they're going to get buried or not? Can they say, I'm counting to 10, and if you're not back in, I'm ringing the bell. I roll my eyes as matches turn into theater. Don't be lazy and figure out how to get your finish without burying the ref. Sergeant at Arms, Nick Barrett, Cult of Cornet member. Love it. Nick Barrett is quickly becoming one of the most famous wrestling fans you'll see at local shows. And clearly, very engaged fan, member of the Cult of Cornets. And a loyal listener to She's Wrestling. I appreciate that, Nick. Let me say this. I was a referee, and Steve Stryker was in a match one time where I didn't understand what they meant when they said we're going Broadway. I was like, what's that? They laughed at me. They didn't tell me. I was still green. So I counted out him and Easy Rider, and I didn't care. Now, a referee, there's nothing worse than wrestlers putting together a match and a referee going, that's going to make me look stupid. The minute the ref interjects with that and Kelly Russell might be a guy that would maybe do that. The talent starts saying, hold it. You're here to support us in the story we want to tell. So please know your role, your support cast to our story. Now that's not to diminish the referee. The referee is still extremely important. Now what the ref could say when they're going in and they're like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. The ref should say, okay, I'm completely fine with all that you want to do, but I want to, let's not go two minutes on the floor and let's not, let's not absolutely obliterate the quality of the match. But what the ref should actually do is not argue with the talent. He should say to the agent, this is actually part of the problem with what we're presenting I don't think we should be, I think I should be asserting myself a little bit more. The agent should be the one to say, guys, tighten it up and don't do so much stuff that's making the ref look stupid. That's the importance of an agent, a segment producer, someone who's going to tell them, hey, that's not right. Make sure the ref has credibility. Shouldn't come from the ref, Should and the talent shouldn't put the ref in that position, but the agent has to be the authority figure there. So what do you think, Stryker? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you, you know, uh, again, not to, to diminish the official, but the official is there in, you know, as a role, right? He's, every, you know, he's the, he's the official. He's the authority in that ring regardless. So if you're two talents and you decide to do a big spot outside the ring and, and the ref is breaking the 10 count, I don't know how many times, um, that's on the talent and that's on the agent. That's not on the referee. So you're making them look stupid. I feel that referees today um, are simply uh, just not equipped to deal with the sensationalism of today's style. It's 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 very very interesting today. Okay, so I'm going to go different. I'm going to add on to that though. Let's say as a story arc in a match, the guys do a spot to the floor and they're both selling. I believe if the importance of the match if you're telling a story that that match finish is actually important, 
the ref could be made to look really strong by going out and choosing to stop the count and actually trying to help both guys get back in the ring so he can give the fans the finish that they deserve as opposed to a double count out on the floor. Yeah, that's a different story. That's where, that's where a good agent says, hey, let's make our refs have value in the eyes of the fans as opposed to what happens all too often on TV wrestling and has happened recently on local shows where there was no respect put on the ref and no value placed on the ref in the fans' eyes. And that's what I think you know, Nick Barrett was getting the referee, at. The referee is the third worker in the ring. Okay, on to our second question here. This one coming in from Jason. Chokeslam, powerbomb, superplex. Which one would be your finishing maneuver? <laughs> okay, okay, Jason. Striker, you had more matches than me. So how, which one would be your finisher? Powerbomb, safest. Interesting, mm. interesting point of view. Yes, on the superplex, if that top rope was to snap, dangerous. Or if the guy doesn't rotate over or the roof isn't high enough, problem it's hard in locals in local independent wrestling to get a superplex over because a lot of times you're not going to have the roof clearance um chokeslam i always thought was kind of lame right it's the worst to take it's not necessary depends who's giving it and yeah. how they give it well if they win the, well the chokeslam just just to show the effectiveness of it you know it it especially on any like you're not talking kane you're not talking undertaker or anybody who's seven feet tall or six foot eight I've seen guys five foot eight give choke slaps for Christ's sake. I mean, come on. Yeah, they have no idea if that's what they're doing. No, power bomb is safest for me because you can actually guide the person yeah. and do it however style you want. So if you're going to look at it um, over the course of time, Vader, Sid Vicious, Kevin Nash, they all got the power bomb over way more than the superplex or the choke slam. So Liger. I would agree with powers with power bomb. Yeah, and I, I just I when I took a couple choke slams, I really didn't like it. And something that Lance Storm had mentioned once in one of his commentaries, I read that he hated taking the choke slam because he was completely out of control with it. He all he could do was try to land flat, but beyond that, his entire body movement was completely out of his hands. So that's kind of where I was at with that one. All right, questions done. If you want to get your question on, you know what to do. And like Mike said, we love the audio questions here on B-Sheets. So Shane Madison isn't in the studio today, but let's go to the event center or not. This is your B-Sheets Wrestling Event Center. We start in British Columbia. Friday, October 27th, Boom Pro Wrestling is in Vancouver. Friday, October 27th, Thrash Wrestling is in Kamloops. Saturday, October 28th, Boom Pro Wrestling is in Vancouver. And Saturday, October 28th, Thrash Wrestling is in Armstrong. We shift to Alberta. Thursday, October 26th, Love Wrestling is in Edmonton. Friday, October 27th, Real Canadian Wrestling is in Radway. Friday, October 27th, Dungeon Wrestling is in Calgary. Friday, October 27th, Love Wrestling is in Edmonton. Friday, October 27th, Can-Am Wrestling is in Okotoks. Saturday, October 28th, Real Canadian Wrestling is in Edmonton. And Saturday, October 28th, Can-Am Wrestling is in Olds. And finally, in Manitoba, Friday, October 27th, Canadian Wrestling's Elite returns to rookies for Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal in Winnipeg. And Saturday, October 28th, CWE comes to Lundar, Manitoba. And that has been your B-She's Wrestling Event Center. So, thank you very much for that event center, or not. Um, Steve Stryker, you're based in Vancouver. Who are the talent out in BC that strikes you? Well, I've had the opportunity to check out a couple of all-star wrestling shows recently. And, of course, one talent, she it was in the, uh, the women's uh, PWA, I think it's top 250. Uh, she was rated rather high too. Liza Hall, Liza, uh, a name. That, oh yeah, Liza. I mean, she uh, Speedball Bailey was in that uh, on that show, and it was Speedball Bailey and Sebastian Wolf, another incredible talent, Indigenous talent, I might add, and 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 so damn good. Those two are uh, Speedball was just next level, and and Sebastian was just sticking with them the whole time. But Liza Hall, she worked Veda Scott on that show. And I'm telling you, Liza is just the absolute complete worker. I mean, I'm a very critical person when it comes to shows and details. Literally, that match almost brought me to tears. I got emotional. So Liza Hall, Sebastian Wolf, who else? Um, well, the All-Star Wrestling Heavyweight Champion is Leon Lacombo. And I believe he was trained by, 
by Scotty Mack. Excuse uh, me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he's got a good start in his career. His brothers play in the CFL. Um, and this, this, this guy, he's about five, five, ten, five, eleven, and he is absolutely ripped and strong as an ox and he needs to get seasoned outside of this area. He's definitely a, a, a great young talent. And of course, Travis Williams, Artemis Spencer, Judas Icarus, they're all here doing their things. One of the guys I might add, I just got to give a plug, um, at the Langley show I was at uh, this past weekend, Diamond Timothy Flowers. Huh. Was at he's, not, he's not uh, a top guy right now. He's retired. He's more than retired, but he, he looks great, and he was in a good mood. Yeah. I don't want to break his kayfabe, but uh, he's <laughs> he, a legend. He fantastic. Steve Stryker, I have to thank you so much for joining B. She's yeah. Wrestling, episode 78. The Mecca Shane Madison will be back next week, and I can't wait. Thank you so much for standing oh, in as the God. special guest, special guest host. I really appreciate I, it. I'm glad you made it to the 14th person on your list. I appreciate that. You were second, but there you go.